0: Good morning, good morning, welcome to Mission View Church, my name is Matt, if you're new here, if this is your first time, welcome, we're so glad you came to join us for worship this morning. Uh, We are uh, starting a new sermon series today, Fear, Anxiety, Depression, Oh My, so um, fast your seatbelts, it's going to be an amazing three weeks, I hope anyways, as we dive into God's word and see what God has to say about fear, what God has to say about anxiety and depression as well. So um, I'm really excited to share with you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy today. The first seven verses of the first chapter. So you can uh, grab that in your Bibles there. I remember as a kid watching um, Jaws for the first time. And uh, it was one of those movies I wasn't allowed to watch as a kid. So when mom and dad took off uh, for a nice evening out without the kids and left us home alone with the babysitter... I told the babysitter that my parents were fine with us little kids watching Jaws. And I'm sure none of you ever did that when you were kids, right? You never, ever would do anything like that. It was just me. But anyways, I remember uh, being home with the babysitter. I was so excited to see this popular movie. I was, I was probably, I don't know, 8, 10 years old, somewhere around in there. And um, I'm on the edge of my seat this whole time, you know. You see this giant shark and everything else, and we know how the story goes: chomp, chomp. Right, this poor guy on this boat. I was scarred for life. I mean, I was never the same after watching that. I mean, it was that one scene. I mean, the one scene. I was never the same. I remember going through school, and, and every book report I did was on sharks. Every, I mean, I was. It was terrible, and I was terrified of sharks. We, uh, as a kid, we every summer we go to North Carolina, the Outer Banks. That's our vacation spot. And so we would go, and I remember taking my boogie board out that summer for the first time, and I was like, a little slower. You know, I, I made my way out there eventually, but I was a little slower than uh, I used to, used to be. So, anyways, we, we deal with fear. And, and some of these fears we deal with, I mean, they're real, real fears. I mean, Jaws, that's not much of a real fear. You know, there's not a whole bunch of great whites hanging out off the Outer Banks, right? That wasn't a you know, accurate fear or anything like that. But we, we do have certain fears in our lives that, that affect us and, and affect how we live out our lives and what we do. I mean, we've just come through one of the most life-changing things uh, we've ever seen hit our planet, this massive pandemic, COVID-19, which just, just devastated the world. Now, in America, we have this vaccine, and, and we've seen some really great things happening as we're moving out of this this, this COVID-19 era, you can say, this is going to be written in the history books, we know it, uh, just a world-changing event, uh, but most countries don't have access to the care that we have. Uh, Ramazan, one of our missionaries, is in town right now, he's traveling around and sharing what God's doing in Turkey, this, let me tell you, some, God's doing some amazing things in Turkey, so I'm so glad that we're connected with Ramazan and his ministry that over there, he's got like this mega church that God's just using to do powerful things, and they've, opened up just now. They've just opened up Turkey that they can meet. They had their first weekend services last weekend or the weekend before. Um, And he was sharing with us just how they don't have access to the health care that we have here. And so they're seeing still seeing massive spikes and different things going on over there. But we've dealt with this. We're, we're, We're feeling this. And on top of this massive pandemic, we have this politicized and political ideas that are forced upon us. And we hear, we hear one truth from one side, and we hear another truth from another side, and then yet another side will come out and say something, and we have filters happening on Facebook and Instagram and all these things being you know shown to us and then taken away, and we don't know what to believe is true anymore, right? I mean, when it first came out, millions and millions were going to die, millions upon millions, and then they said, well, no, it's not going to be this, and then it was like we're going to you know shorten the curve or whatever it was, and it was, we're going to be good after two weeks, and then it was you know, this, this list goes on and on, and at a point, I don't know about you guys, but at a point there, I was just going, what in the world do we believe, right? I mean, if everybody's saying this is true, and everybody's saying this is true, and everybody says something else is true, and you have all these different things to choose, what's true? Man, I don't know about you, but that really got my anxiety up a little bit. I was just like, you hear, you hear a president say one thing, then you hear the next president say something else, and then you hear one news source say one thing, another news source say a different thing, and Facebook says one thing, and then they change it, fact check it, and all this other stuff. You're like, what, is, what in the world's going on? I mean, anxiety jumps, fear jumps. I mean, we're dealing with something that we have never seen in our lifetimes. I think the last pandemic that was this world affecting was back in the 19. 19- early 1900s 1919 or something like that so this is real and I can tell you just from talking with people and from my own experience too as we have counseled many many people through this pandemic time this is this is a real thing that is happening to us it's it's funny it's not funny but it's real that people have gone through this and had have had no effect of COVID on their lives at all nobody in their family's gotten it None of their friends have gotten it. Um, They have not, you know, had COVID or anything else. But they are so fearful, they lock themselves in their homes and have not left their homes yet. Struggling with it, debilitating fear. I want to share something with you, and I want to share it. It's truth because it's God's word, but I want to share it in love. And this is your one takeaway for today. This is the one thing we're going to look at in 2 Timothy. God did not give you a spirit of fear, He gave you a spirit of power, of self-control. That's what God has given us. And so we're going we're to look at what the Bible has to say about fear. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible has a lot to say about fear. I went through and was doing this, this kind of study of the scriptures and I looked up every verse that was on fear. And let me just tell you, if I was just to read all the verses that the Bible had on fear, we'd be here till next Sunday. It would just go on and on and on. But I want to share a few of them with you. In Psalm 34, 4 through 5, it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Who would like that? Anybody want to seek the Lord and be delivered from all your fears? I mean, that's some good stuff. Matthew 8 25 and 26. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord. We are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? O you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, Lord. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be? Afraid. It's Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Get this though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, we will not fear. Now, today, as we look at this letter that Timothy writes, or Paul writes to Timothy, We're going to find out that Paul's like a spiritual father to Timothy. Paul had this great care and concern and love for Timothy. It comes out right in the beginning, and we'll jump right into that. But one of the things I'm going to pull out is that these types of spiritual leaders, these mentors, these coaches, these spiritual father figures in our lives have uh, markings. And, And one of those markings is that they're truth speakers. And we're going to see... Paul speaks some powerful truth to Timothy to inspire him to be the man of God that God has called him to be through the power of the Spirit. Now, these truths that Paul shares with Timothy are truths that you and I need to grab onto, hold onto, and apply to our lives at such a time as this. In such a time as this, okay? So let's pray before we read God's word in 2nd Timothy. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word as we open up this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, we believe that this letter that Paul penned was actually breathed out onto the paper by your spirit, that your word is God-breathed. This, is, this goes beyond any other book. This goes beyond any other truth. This is the truth. And God, we pray this morning that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to apply this truth to our lives, that it would take action in our hearts and in our lives, and it would change how we view the world and how we live in this world. God, be glorified in us. God, I pray that you would use me for your glory. Give me the words to share in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy 1, starting verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, According to the promise of the, the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. I love that. To Timothy, my beloved child. Timothy was not Paul's child. He was his spiritual child. But I, you just hear that care, right? Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is I, I love all the epistles. I love all the letters. I just enjoy studying them, and quite honestly, I really enjoy preaching them. Uh, these, this letter uh, in particular, I think, is really important for us. I think it's just an important letter. Paul is writing this as he's awaiting execution. So think about that for a minute. This is one of, well, if, this, if, you were, if you were on death row and you were waiting for your execution because you had shared the gospel of Jesus Christ too much and the government didn't, didn't like that so they decided they're gonna kill you for it. If you just did that and you were awaiting your execution and you, were, you had a limited amount of time, and you were writing letters to church leaders, and you were writing the letter to Timothy, this church leader who you raised up, you were, this is probably going to be a letter that is of utmost importance. It's only going to hit the hottest topics. You've got limited time, so you're just going to give him the gold, right? This is the gold, right? That's what this is. Paul's, this is Paul waiting at execution. What am I going to, what, what are my last words to Timothy? What, this may be the last words I give to Timothy. Right? And this is what he goes into. The first thing I want to pull out is in those first couple verses. I wasn't going to put this in here. That's why your text says that it starts in chapter three, or verse three of chapter one, because I wasn't even going to put this in here because I preached this so much. But you know what? We need to hear this again. We need to hear this again. And it's this we all need spiritual mentors in our lives. We all need spiritual mentors in our lives. Look at that in verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace. This, this, this idea of having a father figure in our lives, that relationship, is necessary. It's not optional. It's not something, oh, that might be nice for me to have in my spiritual walk. Just somebody to kind of speak into my life, to be a father figure in my life, to have that coaching going on or that mentoring going on. We look at that as optional. Now, and let me just say this. If Timothy, if Timothy needed a spiritual father and he needed a mentor, a coach, a discipler, let me just be honest with you. You need a spiritual father, a discipler, someone who can speak God's truth into your life and that's something that that's something that we miss out on in our world today. And and I have clear clear truth to prove that. Anybody ever watched America Got Talent? Or The Voice? Whichever one Simon Simon Cow, you know Simon Cow, he's that really nice British guy. Right? We've all seen we've all seen the episodes. We've all seen it. This guy comes on, they tell his story. I'm here to sing. I've been in vocal training since I was three years old. His mother's behind him going, oh, yes, it's amazing. He's amazing. And he's like, yes, I, I sing in my, in my town. We do musicals. I'm a singer for the musicals. And I sing in different bands that travel and tour around. I'm here to show the world my talents. His mom's bawling. Yes, he's amazing. Yeah. We know the story, right? They tell this, like, heart-wrenching story about this guy who's dedicated his life. He's the next Pavarotti. You know, and he's going to come and sing in front of Simon Cow. No one has ever told this man the truth. Everybody has just told him he's a great vocalist. And then he gets in front of America, in front of the world, literally millions of people watching. And the dude couldn't carry a note in a bucket. Right? I mean, we all hear him. And Simon Cow is like... That was awful, you're, you know, in the British, that was awful, it was terrible, you need to go home, and you're the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. What? What do you mean? I'm awesome. You know, no, you, I've seen that, we've all seen it, episode after episode, right? And the guy walks off the stage, he does the interview. <laughs> Simon just doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm amazing, and I know it. But the rest of the world sees it. What about Gordon Ramsay? I love that guy. He goes into those places, he's like... He eats the food, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, we, we get to see in the kitchen as they're preparing this dish for Gordon Ramsay, the greatest chef of all time to, to eat. And the chef's back there throwing it together. He's like giving up on life, <laughs> you know, and they take it out to Gordon Ramsay. You're like, oh, no, oh, no, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad, and Gordon Ramsay, what is it with British guys? I don't know, but anyways, Gordon Ramsay he goes and he eats his first bite spits it out the trash can that starts hurling right he's, bleh, he's gagging and everything else and he runs back there and just reams the the chef you know then, has nobody ever spoken truth to these guys has no one ever spoken truth to them that's what we need now okay we don't we don't need a maybe a Gordon Ramsey or a Simon Cowell okay but we need somebody who's going to speak truth to us in love Somebody's going to come alongside us and just, you know, hear our story, hear what's going on in our lives, and then step back and and maybe step in and get a little close and just say, you know, man, like when you were doing that, like that's sin. You need to repent. That's wrong. You You shouldn't speak to your kids that way. You shouldn't talk to your wife that way. You shouldn't drink alcohol that way. You shouldn't. And God has something better for you than that. God has something better for you than that. We all need somebody in our lives who's going to walk alongside us and call us out on it. What do you say, Randy? Kick us in the teeth or something like that, right? We all need somebody who's going to give us the hard shot. And say, that's wrong. The Bible has something better than this for you. And because the Holy Spirit, God, lives inside of you, you can do it through the power of the Spirit. Now, as I wish we were going through the whole book of St. Timothy. We're not. We will at some point. But really, this whole book of what Paul's giving Timothy is this, boy, put on your big boy pants, because here we go. This is real life. This is real spirituality and it's about to get real. That's what Paul's getting at. And that's what we need in our lives. We need this real truth. Who would like some real truth? Now we say that, right? It's like, yeah, man, I want truth. CNN and Fox News, they are going to Just whatever, I want truth. Right? We do want truth from those things, but <laughs> real truth's hard. Real truth, What was that movie? You can handle the truth. No, but there is a part of us that doesn't like to handle the truth. Let me say this. I want to be honest because we're in church, right? We all desperately need truth. We all desperately need truth speakers in our lives. But you know what? You're going to have to be a grown-up to hear it. You need to grow up to hear it. Because they're going to say things that your little feelings get hurt by. And you're going to be like, meh. I thought I was a great person, and you say, I'm not. Well, I got news for you. You're not a great person. Jesus was the only great person, and we're all just wannabes. Amen? All right. So put on your big girl pants. Put on your big, go- big boy pants, and get ready to hear some truth, and go find someone that will speak truth into your life. Okay. That was the long first point that I play at Dodd. Let's move on. Verses 3 through 5. It says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be, fi- may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Second feeling in the is this. We are to be a people of sincere faith. Sincere faith. I love this word in the Greek. Anapro, anapocritos. Andrew gave me the hardest time for my pronunciation of this word. I, I share my sermons with the pastors earlier in the week, but Andrew's giving me a hard time. Anapokritos, okay? This Greek word means without hypocrisy. Think about that. Sincere faith. A faith without hypocrisy, genuine, without dissimulation, unhypocritical, unfeigned, upright, authentic faith, Get this, dear. A faith that we hold dear. It means so much to us, legitimate. That's what this Anapokritos word means, this sincere faith. This is a, now get this, knowing that, this means that this is a faith that is given to us by God revealing himself to us. It is a faith that, that can only come from our eyes being opened to the person and the power of God through the person and power of Jesus Christ. This is a personal relationship that is realized and recognized by supernatural means. This is God coming in and making himself real to you and me. This is sincere faith. Now, another cool thing that we see here about this faith that that Paul talks about that Timothy had because the Holy Spirit lived in him, is that it was handed down to him generation from generation. So this is not just a faith that's our own. This is a faith that we see in our fathers and our grandfathers. And get this, and those who have gone in the faith before us. You know Hebrews, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, right? We have all of these examples throughout all of time that have lived out their life in a sincere faith, and an upright faith, and have held to the faith because of the Holy Spirit empowering them to do so. And we look back at their lives, and we see their faithfulness, and we see what God has done in their lives. And we say, that, I want that. And this is Paul saying, you have that. Because the same, the same God who moved on Moses' life and took a stuttering man and made him the speaker for all of Israel, the same God that lived in King David's heart and empowered his life and and took him out of the brokenness he was in and and fulfilled God's will in him, is the same God who lives in you, the same God who is in Paul, the same Holy Spirit in Timothy, the same Holy Spirit lives in you today. And the faith that we see in our ancestors, whether it be our spiritual fathers, whether it be our real mother and father, whether it be our brothers and sisters, or whether it be our ancestors in the faith throughout all of time, it is a faith that inspires, a faith that moves us, and it's a sincere faith that we have. Not because we choose it, not because we're amazing but because God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you and is empowering you, sanctifying you, changing you to be the man of God, the woman of God that He's called you to be. He who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion at the end. Even at the day of Christ, God is faithful. He will do it. And you have a sincere faith. Say, I have a sincere faith. That's almost convincing. Let's say it one more time. I have a sincere faith. faith. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now get this. You're growing into a sincere faith. (laughs) Right? Okay, so this is how the kingdom of God works. This is how sanctification works. This is how change works is that we have this, we have realized this because Christ died on the cross and rose again. We have this, but we live in between Christ's first coming and second coming. Therefore, we are still in process. We are still in progress. We are still being sanctified, right? We call it our own. We own it as our own. And then we fall on our face and bloody our nose. And Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, comes alongside us, lifts us up, tilt your head back, Matt. Okay, good. You're good. Here we go. And he empowers us and grows us some more. It's that five steps forward, two steps back. Ten steps forward, three steps back. Twenty steps forward, four steps back. And a year later, we look at our lives and we are not the same person we were a year ago because God, by the power of spirit, has changed us to be the people he's called us to be. We are to be and we are a people of sincere faith. So sincere faith is a belief that aligns itself with God's Word. How do I get there? How do I get to sincere faith being a faith that aligns itself with God's Word? Faith, belief, determines what we do. What we believe will determine how we act and what we do. So what I believe about God, what I believe about Him, is going to determine what I do and how I live. And how does God reveal himself to us today? How do we learn more about him? His word. As we dive into this word and and we pray that the Holy Spirit make it make sense to us and, and take root in our hearts and lives, God supernaturally, through the power of his spirit, makes it alive in us. That is God revealing himself to us. More and more as we grow in our knowledge of Him, as we come together and hear His Word, it changes us. It's something that He promises He will do by the power of His Spirit. We sing these songs that are based out of God's Word and tell us who we are, that we are a child of God, like His Word says we are. We sing these things and believe these things, and it changes us. It changes who we are. It changes the music I listen to. I changed my playlists when I became a Christian. It changes my friends group. It changes who I hang out with. It changes what I do, what I spend my time, where I find entertainment. It changes everything. Sincere faith is a belief that aligns itself with God's word, God's truth. Our faith if it is to be a sincere or life-changing faith, can only be built on the truth of God's Word. To know, to, the more we seek to know God, the more we will walk in this sincere faith. Let me say that again. The more we seek to know God, the more we will walk in this sincere faith. Now, Paul goes on and says, because of that sincere faith, this is really important. It's in verse 6 and 7. So he says, For this reason, because of the sincere faith, I remind you to fan, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Oh man, uh, amen to that one, right? Right? Power, love, and self-control. That's, I mean, that's good stuff. The third felon is this. Use the gifts God has given you and walk in the Spirit use the gifts God has given you, fan into flame the gifts God has given you, and walk in the power, love, and self-control of the Holy Spirit. Power from the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the power to say no to sin and temptation, the power to sacrifice and live selflessly to the glory of God, the power to understand God's word and apply it to our lives. You do not have a spirit of fear, but of power but of power through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now get this, of love. Love revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals God's love for us and in turn, we then can love God and love others rightly, even those who are our enemies. That is real love. Loving those who love us, who care about us, loving them, that's easy. But God says, love your enemies. That's hard. But that's the power of the Spirit. That's what we walk in. That God is going to give us the power of true love, of selfless love, of sacrificing love. Just as He modeled for us that He so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That He sacrificed His only Son. That He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and me. That is real love. It's not some wishy washy emotional thing that I feel it. It's not some black hole that you fall in and fall out of. It is a real, true, self sacrificing, others centered love that glorifies God and is based and founded in its foundation in our love for God. Love, power, and love. And that last one, let me just tell you something we all need, right? Self control. Self-control enabled by the Holy Spirit to capture our thoughts, bring our minds and hearts in alignment with God and His Word. Before we knew God, we were slaves to sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. Think about that for a second. Before God in His grace and mercy stepped into our lives, we were slaves to sin. Our choices were always entrenched in selfish thoughts and self-preservation. Even our good deeds were motivated and were done out of this want to feel good about ourselves or look good to those around us. We had no comprehension or understanding of a life that was meant to glorify its creator. A life that was set up, was destined to be A light to the world, salt and light to the world that that changed the world around us. We had no comprehension of that. A life of self-control, a life poured out for the glory of God. This is what we have. This is what we have as Christians. We are filled with the Spirit. You are filled with the Spirit. And that means His power, His love, and self-control are working in you every day, every moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You may be out there just thinking to yourself, Matt, I've struggled with this my entire life. I've worked on this my entire life. God is working in you. And God can set you free through the power of his spirit. You may be out there going, man, I came here to get some help on fear. I just, I can't deal with this. This is chaos. The world, the, what kind of world are we living in? I can't believe my kids are going to grow up in this. I am living in fear. God does not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Through his spirit, you can conquer that. And you will. Because Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could walk around like a bunch of wimps shaken in our boots. Jesus died on the cross so we could walk around in the power of his spirit and the love that he's shown us through Christ and in self-control enabled by him living in us and changing us. Where do we, okay, where do we find the power Where do we we get this and make this real for us? This is where I would normally say the cross, that Jesus died for you. He gave his life for you. I'm going to go a different direction. I think we find the power for this at the empty tomb. Now, Jesus died for you. He lived a perfect life and he died a sinner's death And he was put in the grave for three days. But let me tell you something. He didn't stay there. He rose from the dead, conquering death and sin. Let that sink in. The God you serve, the God you are in relationship, conquered death and conquered sin. It is finished. Done. Over with. Now now listen to power, love, and self-control. Get this. Here's, here's the story, right? You have all these disciples. Jesus had hundreds of disciples. He had those 12 that were close to him, three that were even closer to him, but he had hundreds of disciples. Jesus gets taken into custody to go be killed, right? How many stayed with him? Of the hundreds of followers, of the 12 disciples, how many stayed with him? Anybody? Three. Mary. Mary and John, John probably around twelve or thirteen years old. Mary Magdalene, and Mary his mother. They were there. That's it. Out of the hundreds of all the people he healed, of all the miracles that people witnessed, none. You have all the. You have, think about this. If you witness Jesus' life, miracle after miracle after miracle, and saw all of this stuff, he gets taken into captivity. Man, we just. Peter, right? Peter's like, I'll never leave your side. I will never deny you, Jesus. You'll deny me three times by the time the rooster crows. No, I'll never do that. He denies him three times, and the rooster crows, right? No, these, let me, I want to be real honest to you here, right? Like, the disciples were losers. There's your sermon for today. The disciples were wimpy losers that had no guts. When it came down to it, when the rubber meets the road, they went to mama's house and hid in the basement. No joke, that's where they were. I'm going to mom's, I'm hiding in the basement. Except for the three. Go ladies, right? Mary and Mary? The real men? I mean ladies, the real women? Now get this. The twelve changed the world. But not in their mama's basement. The 12 changed the world because the tomb was empty because Jesus showed up to them face to face. You don't go from shaking in your boots in your mommy's basement to saying, I don't deserve the kind of crucifixion my Lord received, so hang me upside down. Torture me that way. Let me die that way because I want to honor Jesus that way. You don't go from hiding in mommy's basement to... to, being boiled in oil, to doing all these crazy things. All of them, except for John, were martyred. And John, they tried to kill, they just couldn't kill him, so they just banished him to the island of Patmos, where he wrote the book Revelation, by the way. Crazy, right? This is the testimony of the power and love and self-control that we're given through the power of the Spirit, because our Lord is resurrected. Jesus is alive and living today, and that power, we know it and it's a testimony of these twelve disciples who gave their life for the cause and changed the world for all time that's where we find the power we find the power in a resurrected christ yes he died for our sins and he was gracious and merciful but we find the power in an empty tomb because he sits on the throne right now ruling and reigning and he's going to consummate that kingdom And that ruling and reigning when he comes a second time, which we just talked about in the the book of Daniel. Come on up, Mike. That's the power. That's the power. That's the love. And that's self-control enabled by the power of the Spirit found because Jesus, Jesus sits on the throne. Amen? Amen. Well, um, I wanted to take, take some time here at the end of the sermon and invite up. Mike Mischa, I'll just give you a a brief, well, I don't know all your credentials, Mike, but most people know Mike. He does a prayer time and serves in so many different areas of the church, but uh, Mike is a counselor, and why don't you share share a little bit, Mike, about...
1: Well, I also have, way back there, a theater background, and I have to say, I was trained in theater that when you make an entrance, you have to top the energy level of the person who... (laughs) Yeah,
0: uh, sorry. Mike. Good, good
1: luck, right? Let me calm down a little. bit. I'll
0: just calm down a little bit, Mike, and we can go from there. No, yeah. I, I wanted to bring Mike out so we could have a, a short dialogue as he's worked through um, so many counseling scenarios. And I'm sure, especially during the pandemic and everything else, it's been pretty crazy. But, but I wanted Mike to be able to share with us some practical, practical stuff that maybe he's seen work in people's lives as they've dealt with fear, anxiety and depression. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about fear. Today. Right, yeah,
1: so. yeah. And, and uh, boy, there's just so much to say. And I have some practical stuff, and I have some stuff that's not quite so practical. Um, <clears throat> so I have a question here. There's, there's, a, there's a verse here in Psalm 56, because I want to build on what you said, Matt. In, but the, the, the psalmist is saying, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Powerful. Powerful. But it's saying something that you and I don't typically say. You know where I'm going?
0: I do. Go for it. Okay. Say it, Mike. All right. Say
1: it. If you want Speak somebody, the truth be in love, blunt, and You know, just straightforward. That, 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 that is me. That's what I do do. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we were talking before, and and, and and so what what is the problem that I see many people coming in with fear, depression, anxiety, all those sorts of things around putting our trust in God? Why not just put your faith and trust in God? He's got empty tomb, right? Well, <clears throat> I, have, I have two answers. <clears throat> One is because of the fall, okay? Because of the fall. Though the fall, one of the things with the fall is autonomy. I want to be God, okay? I want to be able to predict and control everything in my life. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you very much, appreciate it, you know? But uh, I have an agenda, okay? And the second thing is we are Americans. And uh, I, I remember I was in India one time, and I was with a pastor, and, and he, we had flown on a plane. When this plane, I was so thankful it landed. And when it landed missionary he, plane? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, he, look he, he looked at me and he said, I'm just praising God. I said, What are you praising God for? He said, My prayers have been answered. I've flown on a plane. And I thought, Oh, my, my prayers have been answered. We landed. right? <laughs> then, then he looked at me and he said, You know, Michael, I, I'm so sorry for you. You, I said, why? He said, because you, you're born in the United States. And I said, well, I'm sorry for you. We just ate in your house. <sighs> and he said, no, 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 no. You don't, you, you don't understand. What do you need God for? You, if you want it, you find a way to get it. You make it work for you. We need God for everything, for everything. And then, then he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for America for persecution. You need persecution. And I tell you the truth, that was in July of two thousand one. <laughs> wow. wow. Funny, very funny. Not so funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, 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 so here's here's the thing. People say, "I want to trust God, but I'm having trouble trusting God." Right? Hear that, Matt? Yep. Yeah. So I said, "Well, what are you trusting him for?" Oh, well, um, that I'll get the result that I want. <laughs> and 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 so I think what what. It's interesting, Paul with Timothy here. Paul in in, in the, the first Timothy, he's worried about his stomach, right? You know, yeah. drink some wine. I'm worried about your brother, I'm worried about your, your your body. But what he's saying in Second Timothy is, go out there, get beat up, maybe you'll be killed like I am. Now, w- w- what's that all about? What, what are we trusting God for? What God is up to, not what we're up to. Quick story. So. Uh, about a week ago, my siblings and I got together, and we haven't been together in a long time. We watched the 50th anniversary of my parents' wedding. So, and all six of us were there. It was great. It was really good. And uh, my, my youngest brother was there. He had just turned 28, and he had cancer. But he preached a sermon the next day, actually, that God had healed him. He told me he had healed him. And so we're praising God, thanking God, thank you, Jesus. You've answered our prayers. And four months later, he did answer our prayers. He said, no. He said, no. Um, no, you're not going to live. And my family was shattered. Shattered. Why? Because we had trusted God to give us the security that we wanted in our family. We could go out in the world, but we could come to the family. Hey, everything was good. He would protect us from a fallen world, right? And God said, no, that, that, that's not what I'm up to. I'm up to Something far deeper that goes from the material life as it is to something deeply spiritual and I realized I didn't know what that was Hmm. And so I said God why why in the world did you do that and it was only when he didn't When I couldn't trust him with the way I wanted to trust him that he called me to trust him in a way that I never imagined I could trust him and that was only through the power of his word and through the power of his spirit so
0: i like to uh, the verse that you shared with us that was david right sharing in the psalms yeah yeah he one of the things that people have a tendency to not be real with their fear so like you hear david saying when i'm fearful he doesn't say if i ever get fearful or no there's this like there's a real fear that david had So, so and that he dealt with it sounds like on more than one occasion I think so. <laughs> right. And so I think sometimes as Christians, we have a tendency to put on the strong face, put on our Sunday best, show up Sunday morning and there's no problems in the world. We got everything under control and that's the mask that we put on and we have a tendency not to be honest or truthful with the fears or anxieties or sorrows, depression that we're walking through. Yeah. And so I think one of the things I got out of what you just read was there's real fear. It's, it's okay. And we need to confess these things. When I am afraid, what do we do? Where do we put our trust and where do we find the strength? So that's one thing I noticed in counseling with with people is that getting them to actually admit, you know, those kinds of things and own those things, that that kind of getting it out on the table in the light is one of the first steps to freedom from it.
1: Well, if you can't name your fear, and a lot of people, a lot of times we can't, and it does sometimes take some courage, it takes some, some provoking, but how can you deal with something you can't name? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, so what is it? So I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose uh, my job. Okay, then what? Yeah. Okay, then, then what is it that you're going to be called to face? And are you willing to face whatever it is that yeah. God calls you to face? And it may be, you know... Um, hearts and flowers, and what's the thing you yeah. say?
0: Uh, you know, oh, yeah, rainbows and unicorns. Rainbows <laughs> and unicorns.
1: And, and, and it may be a casket. I, I don't know. Mm. But the the, the the bottom line is, and, and this happens in, in all sorts of discipleship and, and counseling, we have to continually address the question, if we're going to invest, or if we're going to exercise the faith that we have be, been given, is God good
0: right. even
1: when he doesn't seem to act the way we think he should?
0: Yeah, I like, we were talking earlier this week via email, and You had sent a question that I thought was a great one that we should talk about. How do you tell the difference between fear and anxiety? Because even in my studies, as I was working through this sermon series, that's a fine line. So how do you determine those differences?
1: Yeah, actually fear and anxiety and depression, they're all interconnected. They they all share some characteristics and dimensions. But very simply, fear is something specific that is coming against me that threatens my well-being. So I can name it. At you. Yeah, so I can say I can lose my job. You know, I've got a pain in my shoulder; it's swelling up. I'm concerned about that. The, the anxiety is is more general. It, it's rather than specific. It's like, man, I don't know. I just, you know, just kind of hoping people don't talk to me after this church service. Well, what, why is that? Why's that? Uh, I don't know. Just I'm just uneasy, you know. Or I, I woke up this morning; my, my head's just going and going and going. Well, what are you thinking about? I don't know. I'm just going from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. So it's 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 unfocused fears, the anxiety, and it's, it's almost always visceral. Mm. So how do, you,
0: how do you see sin in relation to fear? Okay, so th- that's a problem. That's for the easy one. I'm giving you the easy question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a problem, pro- problem with Christians because we feel guilt and sin around, you know, if my toenails are too long. Uh, you know, because God wouldn't want me to do that, and I'm displeased God again. And we're not down to the essentials of really what it's all about. So I I see sin playing out in two ways. One is, okay, so Tim Keller wrote a book, Counterfeit Gods. Yeah, that's a good one. And and what we do is we take something that's very good, that God has provided, our health, our family, even the word of God, even church, you know, and forget put the word of God in there, that is is good. Uh, But we raise it to the level of the ultimate, I must have it. See, my family was good. It was good to have my family to come, but I had raised it. To I must have it, and it took the place of God.
0: Yep, yep.
1: And so we are idle factories, we are I- idol yep. makers. Um, and so so on one hand, that's that's one form of sin. It's, a, it's idolatry, it really is.
0: The, the second one- So the fear that, so you're saying, so the fear that stems out of, um, let's say, like my marriage is a good thing, I love my wife, um, that's great, but if my wife and my marriage becomes the ultimate thing, and the Lord were, um, you know, God forbid to take that away. Right. Um, and that would cause me then to sin. No, that I've already sinned. Idolatry. I've already
1: sinned because slowly and slowly I've made it essential. You made it essential. You know, I've, I've made it ultimate been,
0: as opposed to being secondary to my relationship with
1: God. Right, right. Right. You know, and so that's a typical thing is we will make something in the below in under the sun yeah. as opposed to trusting God's goodness above the sun.
0: So good things becoming god things. That's exactly. Lower G.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that's what, and we don't really realize it until they're taken away from us. I didn't realize my family had become my God until right. my brother died.
0: Yeah, and then fear just invades. And because then, you, oh, you put your, you know, foundation was built on something that just got taken away. And
1: fear, and, and, and as you're talking about, faith is, is also erodes because I had my faith in that God would continue to provide me this, this, this good thing. And it was a good thing. But who is God when he doesn't provide me what I see as good? That, that's a critical question.
0: Where, where do you take people? After, after they can name their fear, after we really own those things, get them out on the table, what are some first steps you give people to dealing with those things and, and really finding trust and, and faith and rebuilding some things that may have been out of whack?
1: Yeah, that, that, that is the process of counseling. If I can take them to the word... And, and show them something like this, and they say, "Well, I never thought about that before. Fantastic! Yep, I'm just going to trust God, and I'm fine. Okay, that would be great. <laughs> that'd be great. But but sometimes there are many things that we have to work through to get there. For example, we, we may just have to work through some of the, the irrational thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I may lose my job. You know, or you know, but but what I'm not doing is I you know I've got X amount of dollars in the bank. I I'll, I'll be fine for ten more years. And I'm picturing myself living under the 25th Street Bridge in, in Cleveland, you know, just, whoa, that's way irrational. So to focus on, on rational thinking. Also, and this would take a long time, but y- you, you know all about this, is that, and that is that not everything is cognitive. Right. Not everything is my thinking. My body is really powerful. Yep. And I may be having fearful body responses that make no sense to me. Yeah. So I may have to dig into how do they get there? Yeah. And what, how is, does it, do those things have a grip on me? And, and God, help, help me find truth about myself as opposed to living deception about myself. My favorite counseling verse is John 10, 10, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does it in so many ways. Christ said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So facing the fears, naming the fears, seeing if they're rational or irrational, where they've come from, and then going to God's word. Truth. What truth. is truth?
0: Yep. Last question. Is God angry at us when we're fearful?
1: God is this big, mean dude up there, you know. <laughs> He's
0: who, just waiting to drop the just, hammer. Man, all, all, all the time. I, yeah. I, love,
1: I love the scripture that, that says this a couple times there. He has great compassion on us because he knows we are but dust. You know, there's one, I think it's the, the, the one that, the word, this, in, the, in the sea where Jesus says to them, oh, yo, what, are you, what are you afraid of? Right, yeah. or, or another way, where he calls them little children. It's like a dad with a kid, you know? Okay, don't be afraid. We've turned the lights out, but there are no boogeymen here. Trust me, trust me. So I think it's more than a rebuke, it's an appeal. Trust me, enter into my rest, because I've got life, I've got peace for you. It may be a different peace than you want. (laughs) It's a different sort of because it has to do with your soul. But trust me, but it, it, it may be a rebuke at times, now, maybe like Paul gave Timothy a little bit of a rebuke sure, there, sure. Um, but it, it's more of an invitation. I understand you are finite, fallen. This is a difficult world.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's good. Thanks, Mike.
1: You're so Hello, welcome.
0: Amen. Ba- Jordan, you can come on out, buddy. Um, before we sing our last song, you can go ahead and stand. It's for our last song. I just want to share this quick story with you on fear as the band gets ready. I was watching a video on YouTube. Uh, just the other day on fear, and there's this, uh, there's a mom driving her kids in this minivan, and there was a huge storm that had come in and like 120 mile an hour winds, and she just starts freaking out. You know, kid full, I mean, these kids are probably five, six years old throughout the car. She's driving the car, and she's got about a 12 year old in the front seat, and she's freaking out. So the kids were fine and kind of laughing, and then mom started freaking out, or, you know, babysitter, whoever she was, started freaking out. The kids just lost it and started freaking out. And I remember what the, the lady said. She looks over at the 10 or 12-year-old and says, what should I do? That's inspiring, right? <laughs> but I thought about it. That's kind, of, that's kind of been some of our experiences, you know, with our, our, our families or our fathers or our mothers or whatever it may be. And we have a tendency to kind of lay that on our heavenly father, right? And that's not who he is. God's not up there going, oh my, what do I do with this? We serve a sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God who is in control. He is never up there going and going looking at you saying, what do we do? He is always coming to you with his perfect, righteous, and clear plan for your life. Now, sometimes it's hard for us to see, and sometimes it's hard for us to swallow, but he is a sovereign God who has a plan. And we need not fear. Let's sing this last song.